Hello, 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 friends, and welcome to the She Finds Joy podcast, where we reclaim the super shiny lights that burn in each of us. I'm Kim Strobel, your truth-telling, real-talk happiness coach who believes in the power of showing up as our flossom selves, even and especially, my friends, when it comes to working through our hard stuff. After all, when we're playing in our arenas of bigness, life gets better as we get bolder. So buckle up for the no BS, zero fluff advice that gives you the small steps for big joy. One of the best things about She Finds Joy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other women who are creating more joy in their lives, just like you. You can find us at kimstrobel.com forward slash she finds joy. All right, let's dive in to today's episode. Here we go. I am super excited to introduce to you a lady by the name of Brenda Florida. And Brenda is a certified life coach. She is an entrepreneur, a mother, and a grandmother. She's owned several businesses before becoming a life coach. And she is very passionate about helping others achieve the lives they long for. What I love about Brenda is that she's also obsessed with her own growth and development professionally, emotionally, and spiritually. So she fits right in line with my whole mission of this podcast. Um, Brenda seeks higher degrees of consciousness, compassion, and love over comfort. Love that. (laughs) And for the past year, she has lived a, get this, you guys, location-free lifestyle, working from wherever she is. Freedom is her siren call for her own life and her clients. Brenda has a gift for liberating people to to their own wisdom and their own genius. So welcome, 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 Miss Brenda Florida to the She Finds Joy podcast. Uh, Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Really, Yeah, it's going to be a great combo. I can tell. Yes. Okay, so I want to know a little bit more, though, about this woman who is on the other side of the screen from me. So tell me a little bit more about the dynamics of both your personal life Mm -hmm. and your personal life beyond your bio. So give me the up and up first on your professional life. Okay, so my professional and my personal life have taken a lot of, you know, parallel paths. And I would say, would describe them both as up and down. Like, you know, I fall down a lot. I get up a lot. I love that. (laughs) So, you know, I've had a lot of different jobs, several different businesses. Um, You know, I have always reached a certain level of success in them and felt, you know, really good about what I accomplished in, you know, any of them. And tell and us then, who you are, Brenda. What were a few of those jobs you've had? So, but the first business that my husband and I had was we franchised with Domino's Pizza. So we got married. I was right out of high school. I was 18 years old. Got married August after I graduated in June. He was the ripe old age of 21. And we were high school sweethearts, And uh, except he was in college when I was in high school. But whatever. You know, we don't have to do the math on it. But anyway, we uh, got married started our family really quickly. Like I had my first daughter a little over a year after we got married. So at night, at the ripe old age of 19, I have my first baby and he has left business school because he's frustrated with school. And we just decide to go off on kind of an, entre- we'd always planned on having an entrepreneurial path. Okay. As a couple when we dated and stuff. And so he was just like, hey, business degree is not going to help that much. Let's just go do something. So at the time, this was early 80s, like 1980, um, Domino's Pizza was growing incredibly rapidly. And they were offering franchise opportunities with without franchise fees, which is really unheard of. And so, you know, he went to work at a local, you know, store and then got promoted to supervise whatever because we, we just had a plan because if you if he was a area supervisor we could franchise an area 
of stores instead of a single store. So that's what we wanted. So anyway, we, we do that. We have one baby, we have another baby. Uh, and then we left Colorado to franchise with Domino's that took us to North Carolina because we, we couldn't do it in Colorado. The growth, you know, it was all grown out, whatever. And so we were looking at North Carolina cause I have an aunt and uncle that lived there who I love very much and were entrepreneurs themselves. They started a grocery store chain, the fresh market, um, there in Greensboro, North Carolina. And so we went there started our stores had another i had another baby we opened three stores and then he got kind of burned out and i got confused between uh, understanding that i had a husband who could not emotionally connect to his wife or children and it was the business's fault because it was just so time consuming so i thought if we sell our stores I'll get a husband and father back for my kids. Uh, no big surprise, that didn't happen. Well, we sold our stores, <laughs> had another baby, and uh, then, you know, slowly but surely our marriage, you know, started its decline. It took a while before we actually divorced. Then I got into real estate, so I spent a lot of years in real estate. I spent most of my time in real estate in management and leadership positions. I owned an office for a while. A couple years after I divorced my first husband, I met another man through a real estate convention and uh, moved, oh, married oh, him. Real estate conventions, huh? I know. <laughs> conventions are so much fun. <laughs> um, and uh, so I married him, and that brought me to Pennsylvania. And I've been in Pennsylvania since, you know, 1998, so 21 years. I only stayed married to him for two years, uh, which in many ways from a personal standpoint was almost more difficult than divorcing the first, because I thought I had learned so much. I'd been in lots of therapy and I just thought I chose so differently and this was gonna be my forever relationship. I moved my kids from the only place they knew, you know, remembered living to a new place. They were in high school. I left my oldest daughter behind in North Carolina with her dad. It was her senior year. So I left her behind to finish her senior year out because then my next oldest was going into 10th grade, which was where high school started here. Mm. And so I, I didn't want to move him when he was a junior, you know, whatever. With right. four kids, it's hard to figure out how to move them, uh, you know, wow. school years right. So I, I did this big dramatic thing, which is my MO. I, <laughs> I am a total go big or go home kind of girl. And, uh, so within two years, we were getting divorced and the kids and I just decided to stay in Pennsylvania. They were kind of settled in at that point, you know, and my oldest daughter had come up to Pennsylvania to go to college. And so we stayed here and that moving to Pennsylvania kind of sidelined my real estate career for a while because real estate doesn't have licenses that are good in multiple state. You know, it's very state specific. So I had to get my real estate license here, kind of get my career back on track. But I did and got my next best job, you know, and that turned out in uh, turned into an ownership opportunity where I owned the real estate office that I was first hired to manage for a while. And that was great. And then my partner decided he wanted to sell and I didn't want to buy. And so, you know, boom, now I'm back to unemployed with no unemployment because I was an owner and you don't get unemployment when you're an owner. Yeah, and I like that you're sharing this because, you know, a little part of me is going, wow, Brenda, you must have always had like unlimited funds. I mean, right out of high school, you and your husband are, you know, part of this franchise business and then you're in real estate and like you've always kind of just had money and wealth. Is that true? That is not true. So we Bring did- that up for us, Ms. Brenda. Oh, let me not give you the wrong impression. Uh, this is what people think, it's so funny. Because when you so, say you're an entrepreneur and you've always been an entrepreneur, people do are, are just kind of, I know, I know how my brain used to think like, oh, well, you know, you, you have resources I didn't have. Yes. And so don't let me, let's reconnect to that in a minute with my past year and my Facebook post from the beach and all the sunsets in San Diego. Don't let me forget to bring this yeah, back bring to that. But, uh, but no, now we did start out, my husband had uh, inherited about 
25 or $28,000, something like that as a, in college. So initially we used that to buy our house when we first got married. And then we sold that house in Colorado when we were you know, ready to franchise. And we used that money to seed our first store opening. So, and Domino's had a great, you know, cause it's a franchise. They had a great system where we could lease our equipment and, you know, it's a very small physical sure. store that you need. So we, that was our initial seed money and that, that got us going. And so that was a great gift. But I will tell you, and I, you know, it's hard to remember now, but when we sold the stores, which was like 1986, so money, you know, was meant more then. I mean, you know, it's, but I think we left with about 75-ish thousand dollars. I think we sold our stores and, you know, paid off all our debts and had, I think it was less than a hundred. I think it was around 75,000, something. That's a good place to be in though. Yeah. So that was great. Our We lived in a house that was paid for. Now we lived in a small town in North Carolina. So cost of living is very low, housing very low, but nonetheless, we had two cars that were paid, two Hondas, you know, that were paid off. You're doing really great, Brittany. Yeah, and I'm 20, I'm, I'm 26 years old. Yeah, we don't have our houses paid off at age yeah. 26. Yeah, so at that moment, you know, we had a lot of, I had the four kids I wanted to have, you know, I've got this perfect Norman Rockwell family. I see myself as a stay-at-home mom, even though I was always involved in the business, but my husband, of course, got all the credit, and that was just kind of our unconscious stuff, you know, but anyway. Um, and so we had a lot of success early in life, and I know that for me, in addition to believing I'd have my husband and, you know, father of my children back if he wasn't working so many hours, I really also believed we would always have money, like that it would just, you know, whatever it was, it would happen and we would have money. I never for a moment saw us suffering financially. And within two years, probably, my kids are eating free lunches really? in public school. Maybe it took three years, hard to remember exactly. What, what but all of that? We, because we, he never did anything that made any money again. And so, you know, 75,000 only lasts with six people, even in a small town in North Carolina for so long, you know, we spent through it. Then we started charging up charge cards. You know, we still had a home, but we, you know, it had a mortgage on it. Now we've, you know, we yeah. keep taking the equity out, you know, so that was, by the time we got divorced, there was, I mean, nothing. There, there hadn't been anything for years. I, I bought him out of the house, but I had no equity. I just refinanced it to get him out of it. Uh, and I so, think that part of your story is important because I sometimes worry that people just see the life that I lead now. And I always tell them, I mean, even back, you know, 15 or 20 years ago, I was looking through pictures recently, um, like in my son's scrapbook. And you know what I noticed, Brenda? I, I saw like the, the, the burgundy and green plaid couch in the background that we purchased at a yard sale. I saw the yeah. piano bench that we purchased for $5 at a yard sale and turned it into a coffee table. I saw my son's little sneakers that I knew I got at a yard sale because like every year we accumulated credit card debt and then we took our taxes tax money, mm -hmm. paid it off, and then began the cycle again of just living paycheck to paycheck and thinking like we will never, we will never really be prosperous or have mm -hmm. abundance in, in terms of financial freedom. Um, and so I think that part of our stories is really important. Yes. Because then, you know, like, and I know you're going to talk a lot more about that because this is an episode focused on abundance, but I think it's really important for people to understand that. Yes, it is. And, you know, we all have our money stories. We all have, you know, our money experiences. We inherit so many thoughts and paradigms about money from our families. I had so much shame around money and yet I wanted money so badly. And so that, now a lot of that at this point was unconscious to me. I really didn't get really aware of that until I was in my forties. But so, you know, no wonder it's kind of wreaking havoc with me. And I'm not going to say it's not still, but it's just the journey with it's completely different for me now. So 
you know, I just have financially and professionally, I just have these ups and downs. I'm an owner of an office. We're making good money. I'm traveling a lot for work. I'm having amazing experiences. I've, I've left my second husband. You know, the kids are fine. We're doing great. And then a coach now. No, I'm not a coach yet. I'm, oh. I was still in real estate, just in real estate. Oh, you were at that time. You were still at that time. I was in real estate. And then my partner wants to sell the stores and boom, I'm out of a job. I got to go find a job. I had never saved much money. My oldest daughter was getting married. I just spent whatever I spent, $10,000 or something on her wedding. Now, the funny thing is, uh, especially in contrast to what you just said about yourself and your own story, even though I had a lot of downs financially, I have always believed I would be wealthy. Now, yes, and so that happened for me, Brenda, when someone got me, um, laid in my lap, the book, The Law of Attraction. Uh-huh. And from that moment on, you know, all of my money mindset stories I told myself, which was this very narrow box, like, I'm a school teacher, I'm, I'm never gonna make a lot of money, yeah. you know? Um, and my husband and I, it's not like we, we came from wealth, we were raised by good solid families but there's no extra money there and you know I was telling my dad just recently I'm like you know do you know how many times I heard like you know well there's starving people in Ethiopia Kim so eat everything on your plate or money doesn't grow on trees and all of that stuff you know really it becomes our money story until I read that book and then I literally began to co-create a very different life that had no limits on what this girl or my husband and I could create together. And I think what you're talking about is so interesting. My son, just this weekend, we were purging his room. He was home (laughs) college. And he said, he said, I don't know, mom, I'm just having some weird thoughts right now about like money. I don't have good feelings around like money being spent on me. Mm. And I said, well, tell me more about that, Spencer. He's like, well, I'm in college now, and I just feel like you shouldn't have to. And so I really had to do some work with him and explain that, like, money is energy. And so we want to really retrain our brain not to have negative thoughts around that and to know that we're worthy of abundance. We're worthy Mm -hmm. of all of that. You know, and my job is to take care of you while you're in college. But, yes, we want you to be self-sustaining at some point as well. And so, you know, I'm kind of – it's interesting to me that he has this little money story in his head about not being worthy maybe of receiving abundance. Yes. I think the worthiness that may be one of was probably one of my biggest blocks for myself. And part of, you know, if we want to think about what my life lessons were, what my soul's lessons have been, you know, and sort of the, why, why did my life take that kind of such an up and down path? Uh, I think a lot of it has been to drive me to the place where it's ultimately driven this year. So just to catch you up on the story a little bit. So uh, I do well again after I get back into real estate after my partner sold the business. I do well again. You know, I just, I, I'm not owning a business, but I'm working for another real estate company. And then I go to work for the trade association for real estate. I do very well, you know, and so money's coming in again. Now I've always had a tendency to spend more than I make. Absolutely. Not a tendency, you know, that's it. Um, because, and part of it is because I always felt like, well, I'm just going to make more next month, next year, whatever. Like, but that can have where that could sound good or sound like I've got my money energy in a good place. It wasn't, it was still coming from fear and it was coming from my own internal battle that I, I hadn't really come to terms with yet or seen is a better way to say that of this push and pull between my family believing in the nobility of poverty, right? Like for my family, anybody who was wealthy was really very suspect. They're probably cheating somebody. They're taking something from somebody else, you know, that kind of thing. And so this idea of being, I won't say poor, we were never poor, but, you know, middle class barely, 
that was like the noble sweet spot where all good Christians, you know, were supposed oh, to be. Yes, yeah, because you, yeah. you want money. Yeah. You want a, a good spiritual person if you're yes writer for money. <laughs> yes, yes. So I always had this. So that was part of my own unconscious kind of push pull. And so the part of me that would be like, no, mom, you're not right about that, would go buy another expensive handbag. I was, you know, I couldn't pay cash for or whatever. I love beautiful things. I love expensive things, not because they're expensive because they're gorgeous. But anyway, they do happen to be expensive. And so my spending was always sort of out of control. So when I'd hit one of my downs, I was down really fast because I hadn't built up any wealth. I hadn't even built up much savings. Um, and so, you know, that's just, anyway, so that, you know, helps perpetuate that roller coaster. So I got into a relationship where I lived with a guy for a couple of years. This was I left that relationship five and a half years ago. And the, so I also have a tendency to be with emotionally abusive men in this glamorous life I live. Yeah. So, and nobody would think that because I'm so, you know, yeah, like a, vibrant and yes. And, and I am now I wasn't in my first marriage. I mean, I'm vibrant cause I'm just an outgoing fun person, but I was very much taught that men were absolutely the authority that as a woman, really, I didn't have any, I mean, not that anybody said it exactly that way, but somehow between the men, the minister, God, all these outside masculine, you know, forces, yeah, social context. Yeah. We're, you know, in charge of me. And so that's a great setup for being with emotionally abusive men. And you said you also had feelings of unworthiness. So when yeah. you, have feelings of unworthiness, you do attract a partner who is going to validate See, how unworthy yes, you are. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And so I did that beautifully three times. So when I, the, but the good news for me is that when I realize that that's where I'm at, I'm out. Like, I don't care. You know, all three of these guys, I was basically broke when I left them and it didn't matter. Like I'm not, once I realize what's happened, and I wake up to what I've done to my, you know, so to speak, not taking responsibility for how they've treated me, but that I've, you know, put myself in this relationship. I am out. And all three times I was not in a good place professionally. Uh, and this last one was when I was in coach training. So I was in my coach training and I was unhappy in my job. I had a good job. Um, then, but anyway, I was unhappy in it. And so he had encouraged me to, well, not encouraged me, but supported me. I wanted to quit my job and just be in coach training. Okay. And then start my practice. And so he supported me in leaving my job. I had six more months in coach training and then, you know, getting my practice started that he would support me, you know, till I got things going again. So to me, that was just like heaven. Okay. So I had a little bit of money saved, but not a lot. And uh, a few months later, he did something very abusive, emotionally, sexually. Uh, and I was just like, oh, holy smokes. I've done it again. <laughs> you know, like with that one, I had seen so many red flags that I dismissed that once he did this ridiculous thing, and that that we can talk about that in another episode if you want, because <laughs> I love talking about sex and sexuality and how we can evolve that way and how it can really be an uh, the actual gateway to our emotional and spiritual growth. But that's kind of a, another yeah, topic. No, I love that topic. Yeah. Um, another time. Yeah. And so I left him again. I'm not even done training. I have a little bit of money in saving. I was living in his house. I have nowhere to live, you know, so it was just another start over again. And then I got another good job in real estate about nine months later and did well there for a few years and then made my plan to quit real estate and get into, uh, my, do my coaching full time. And how long and have you been doing that? So that was, June, a year and a you know, a year and a half ago, basically. So I've been full time for about 18 months. And, you know, it's been the best of times and the worst of times, I guess we could, you know, say, I mean, being an entrepreneur certainly is not for the faint of heart. No, and not, I don't think anybody tells us that, Brenda. I know. 
And I'm like, I tell people there are times when I'm like, holy smokes, I just secured a $7,500 gig to stand on a stage for an hour and talk. And then three months later, I'm laying on my office floor crying, thinking that like, I'm, my business has gone to hell and nobody can hire me and I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. Yes. Yes, exactly. And you know, you don't want to, so I always have this little bit of a struggle with, so I value authenticity as much as freedom. Okay. Well, cause you can't be free if you're not authentic. Right. So I, it's very important to me in my practice and in my, you know, my sort of public, uh, well, persona, it's not really a persona, it's me, but in the way I present myself publicly and on social media and everything, to be really authentic, okay? But it's kind of hard when you're a life coach. Well, <laughs> and, it is. Yeah. You know, you're not sure how you're going to pay the bills tomorrow or something to be, like, you know, I, I don't really want to go on and exactly say that, you, you know, right. but so, so it kind of, probably that juxtaposition, and the fact that I didn't, so when I spiraled down financially in my business, because just because I didn't have enough clients, wasn't making enough money. And you did that within the last year, right? Yes, yes. Um, and again, no backup. I mean, no, that's not true. I had $10,000 saved. Like that seems to be my number that keeps coming up over my life. $10,000 saved. And within a week after quitting my job, I got scammed out of 3000 of it. Oh my. Yeah. So... So sometimes when I look back on it, it's almost like I just, this lesson meant I couldn't keep the money. Like it didn't matter what I did, right? right, right. <laughs> I wasn't going to get to keep that because this is what I think. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to say I'm completely on the other side of it, but I think the intensity, you know, things like money, your job, uh, health, you know, and probably something with our kids, maybe and, and marriages, th those things like they drive you, you know, to your wall and you're either going to crumble at that wall or you're going to figure out how to get through that wall, you know, and this took me to my knees because it was so, I mean, I was, I was so sure, never had a doubt in my mind. I would be earning six figures in the first year, not a doubt in my mind. And so it really shook me to my core, even in my beliefs spiritually, like, wait a minute, where's all this law of attraction stuff for me? Like I, you know, I had a, felt like, I, so anyway, it brought me to this place of one, really understanding this push pull thing I have with money. You know, like one part of me really uh, feels very comfortable with being wealthy. Another part of me is shaming that and feeling unworthy of that. You know, so trying to heal that shame and um, the fear that there is there and being able. So the other piece that's so true of everything I've talked about, but we haven't talked about it in this context, is that. I am a person who was trained to give my power away. Oh, hey, I, wanna, I want you to explain that to me. So again, in this very conservative religious upbringing I was in, and, and partially because I was a woman, you know, made it worse, but not that this doesn't happen to men, but I, you know, was told not to listen, you know, not to trust what was going on in me, not to question what was an authority person, you know, a parent, a teacher, a, school, a Sunday school teacher, a minister, like if they said the sky is blue and I think it's cloudy, they're right, okay? So from, um, from the minute I was born, that was the sort of reality I was raised in. And so when you are raised in that, you don't see yourself as having power in the authentic sense of power that I, of course, I couldn't describe it that way then, you know, but now that's how, this is how I can talk about it. And you give your power away to anything and anybody outside of you. And so always, at least since I left my second husband, 
bringing myself back into my own power has been a huge part of my spiritual journey. But then when I had this, you know, what to me was like a real relationship setback by marrying another emotionally abusive guy, you know, but then I did it in business and I gave my power away to coaches that I thought would make me, you know, super successful. And it wasn't that the coaches were bad or that I wanted to pay somebody to help me. I mean, I think paying somebody to help you no matter what it is in business, in life, whatever, is the smartest thing you can do. I wouldn't be a coach if I didn't. But giving your power to them is not the smartest thing you can do. Yeah, like when, when, a, when they tell you this is the only way and then you just automatically, even though maybe it doesn't feel right in your right. body or you know, I don't question it. I'm just going to do it because they told me to kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. I and back up for just a minute because yeah. this idea of worthiness is such yeah. a hot topic for my people. And so I want, because mm. you're a very confident woman now, it, you can see it in your body language. You can see it on social media, but, but I know that there was there were many times where you struggled with self-love and unworthiness. And I would like to know a little bit about what contributed to that and then, and then how that played out in your life. Yeah. So the really short uh, version of how I got that way, so to speak, is that I was born to a family that I just never felt loved. Now that doesn't mean I wasn't, okay? That's a little different because now as an adult, of course I can see that, you know, my parents loved me and they did the best they could kind of a thing. But I never felt certainly nothing close to unconditional love. I felt like if I performed, if I took care of, so in my family that meant taking care of people, you know? Yes. So it was very codependent, super, super, super codependent, which I figured out which is what ended my first marriage. You know, he, to, he, we would never say it this way. He would never say it this way, but he married a codependent. He wanted to be married to a codependent so she would take care of him. And when I stopped wanting to do that, that was not what he signed up for, you know? Yeah. But so I've never had, and then all this religious stuff about, I wrote a blog, two blogs, a couple, several months ago where I sort of came out about the uh, damage that, conservative religion, you know, did to my soul. And so I was raised, raised on that doctrine of original sin. Like you're just born being flawed. Okay. And so that's just what I heard all the time all my life. And I believed it, you know, now like my sister, like that's, that's just me, whatever. Again, my soul's lessons. I, I have a sister older sister, she never bought any of it. I mean, it's hard to imagine we came from the same parents and went to the same church, you know, but I bought it hook, line, and sinker, you know? So I didn't go into my adult life having any sense of worthiness. In fact, worthiness in my, the structure, culture of my religious, you know, connections would have been very prideful and that would have been a sin, basically. Oh, yeah, right. Like, don't see yourself don't that, that way. Don't yeah your own horn or get caught saying something kind about yourself or yes thinking you're good at something oh the worst oh, thinking yeah, yeah. you're be good humble. be humble be humble yes. and I was a very good singer I mean I can still sing pretty well but my voice is pretty rusty at this point because I don't do it much but I did tons of solos churches weddings I mean uh, yeah yeah church solos weddings funerals all kinds of stuff but I could never like own what I would say today, own that I had a great voice because that would be prideful and then maybe God would take it away from me. So there's always this punishment. There's always this condemnation and punishment that drives that fear. So I didn't, I mean, I didn't leave that environment until I was like 38. Uh, religious. How old are you now, Brenda? I'm 59. So almost 20 years ago, but that's a lot of reprogramming to do. Yeah. Yes. So it's taken me all this time to try to reprogram it. And I, this morning got caught in a downward spiral at the end of my meditation, which may sound like strange, but it happens sometimes, you know, and it took me 30 minutes or so. I don't know what to get myself out of it. 
and it was just a downward spiral of that unworthiness that, you know, I'm not doing it right, like all that kind of stuff. So it's not completely gone for me. But I think, I mean, what I love now and what I've really learned this year is one, how to get myself out of it quicker, right? So I spent about 30 minutes or whatever it was in that space using, you know, the tools that I have to, to not to just like Pollyanna positive affirmation, you know, myself out of it. But that's what people don't understand, right? Like we're not saying don't feel, the, like when you're having right. feelings, those are real. And if you don't let yourself feel them, I can promise you they will resurface again and again, or they will turn into disease. But what Absolutely. we don't do is we don't spend the next three months telling ourselves we are ridiculous and stupid to think that we can do this. We may give ourselves 30 minutes or a day or two to feel the emotion. And then we put our big girl panties back on and say, yeah. Oh, Yes. And I find that when I do that, like this morning, by the time I, and of course this process is a lot faster for me now than it was even a year ago, because I've been doing it so intensely for the last year and for many years. But what I realized this morning was like, after I, I was journaling and, you know, just doing some things and working with myself and I was like, Oh, this is self judgment and fear. That's all of it. Like I got sucked into self-judgment and fear. And I don't know about you. I don't know what your perspective is on this, but as both as a coach and in the work that I do in my own journey, I am more and more convinced or I see these patterns that get set up in us really like a habit. So I will, judgment and fear are so, have been so deeply embedded in my life, and it's not like I'm unusual in that, you know, that they will grab me before I realize it. The same way we might walk into the bathroom and start brushing our teeth in the morning, and no, nobody's thinking, what the hell do I do with this stick with bristles right. on the end? You know, so it just creates this habitual thought process. And with all this meditation and the things that I've been doing for the last year, I've been very intentionally and consciously wanting to break that cycle and break that habit. And so when it hit me this morning, you know, I take that really seriously because that is like this old imprint that is attempting to steal my joy. Yes. And I'm just not having that, you know, if I can have enough of my wits about me to not, to not be sucked into it and go, no, wait a minute. You know, you, yeah. you don't get to have me. You don't get to have me today. And so then I, you know, go, through, I mean, it's different, different times, but I go through different, you know, coaching tools that I do on myself or journaling, yeah. or whatever, to shift myself out of it. And I want to talk about that too, it, about the how-to a little bit, but I have to tell you this morning, I, so yesterday, um, I actually, so when we're recording this, just for all of those who know, it's like December, but this won't really go live yeah. until maybe February or March. And so I landed a 2021 gig yesterday. And, and so I put it like, I put it on Facebook because I, I, I played small for so many times in my life and damn it, I wanted to be supported and I wanted to celebrate my win. And so I put it on Facebook, which people are pretty used to me doing that. And then today I opened up Twitter and I saw that this great big conference that I'm going to be doing in, um, in Texas had made this really great tweet about me. Um, so, you know, one of our, what we do as, as entrepreneurs is we have to share and kind of create the clout for our businesses, right? Like mm -hmm. people need to know these are the kind of stages I'm getting on so that that is also not just a personal post, but that is me being a businesswoman post. Of course. And so I posted it this morning and then all of a sudden those old tapes of like, okay, Kim, don't be braggy and don't be too big and don't be too shiny. And then I was like, yes, oh, everybody on social media is going to be like, oh, there's Miss Braggy Kim. Yesterday she did a post and there she is just tooting her horn again. And so, you know what I did, Brenda? Then I was like, oh, wait a minute. I, I better add some. So I went back and I edited it. And I, I said something like, um, just so you know, this is why I share my wins and my struggles because, um, you know, I want to give women the permission to know that it's okay to let their light shine. Now, that is a true statement. 
But yes. the problem is, Brenda, is yeah. that I didn't do that for me. I did that because there's still this little part of me that is like, oh, well, you don't want women or anybody being like, oh, there's braggy Kim. Yes. How badass she is again. And what I want to get to, Brenda, is I want to get to the point where I'm like, yep, there I am, big and badass. Yep. <laughs> Yep, exactly right. Oh, me too, me too. So, you know, I did a lot of, because you asked me about confidence and... Yeah, because women are stuck, Brenda. What what can my listeners do that's going to help them? Well, I do. So, I mean, just so you know, I mean, I spent much of my adult life in my careers in the imposter syndrome, you know, feeling like I was totally faking it and terrified that somebody was going to figure out that I really didn't know what I was doing. Okay. Oh, for sure. Okay. By the way, we want our listeners to know that that is completely normal. It is completely normal. And I almost, I'm, I'm almost starting to see the imposter syndrome the way I see narcissism from the standpoint of if you think you are, that's proof you're not. Because no narcissist is thinking they're a narcissist. Am I a narcissist? Oh, I feel like I'm a narcissist. And I'm, no, no narcissist is thinking that. And so when you are thinking, I'm being an imposter, I don't really know what I'm doing, it's because you know exactly what you're doing. And otherwise, you would be in such ignorance, you wouldn't even be wondering if you were having imposter syndrome. Yeah, and I want to explain this. So, so imposter syndrome is something that women struggle with very much. And it's this idea that, okay, for example, when I started calling myself a happiness coach, I was like, okay, like how can I call myself a happiness coach when there's times when I still get sad or depressed or upset or stressed? Like I'm a total fraud. I'm going to step on this stage and I'm going to wow this crowd. And, and, you know, two months ago I was having a relapse of whatever, panic disorder and couldn't, you know, struggle to walk to my mouth. Like I'm such an, like, this is crazy. This right. is me totally tricking everybody out. I am not at all who I think I am. That's what imposter syndrome is. Yeah. That, that keeps us right. Like if you, if you're going to start a photography business and you like, who am I to think that I could become a professional photographer or who am I to think that I could create a business? That's just a silly idea. I'm not good enough. And yes. that, that is what prevents us from going forward. And so yes, we, we just have to talk back to that voice. Yeah. Worst question ever. Who do, who am I, or who do oh. you think you are? You know, yes. it's such, and, and as soon as it comes up, so one of the things I like to remind myself, and I learned this from Martha Beck, that's who I was trained. I, I'm a Martha Beck certified coach. So I was trained by Martha and her team of, you know, teachers and coaches. And one of the things she says is that the truth is never stressful and stress is never the truth. Let's say that again. So truth, yeah. is, never truth is never stressful and stress is never the truth. So when we hear that, who do I think I am, you know, or you get that stress of, oh my gosh, somebody's going to think I'm miss, you know, braggy pants and I need to go tone myself down on that post or, you know, get an angle on it so it looks a little more benevolent, you know. And I'm sure there was stress involved. Yeah. That's not true. You're not being Miss Braggy Pants. So as soon as I start, now I can't always call myself on it, you know, in real time. Sometimes it takes me hours or days to get there, but sometimes I get it right away and I'll be stressing about something. And you know, those stressful thoughts, they just roll around on repeat in your head, you know? And sometimes it'll just, I'll just break and just laugh and be like, oh my gosh, it's not the truth. It can't be because I'm stressed. And then when I think about it, it's like, oh no, like I'm imagining something that's in the future. I'm imagining what other people are thinking. And we don't know that those things are true. You know, well, you're, you're really hitting home with me because Brenda, you're right. I felt stress. And the reason I felt stress is because my intention for sharing that was please know that you don't have to limit your potential. Like my, it's not to have everybody say, great job, Kim. I mean, that's great. I love knowing yeah. that you're supporting me, but like my intention is 
so that you know that it's possible for you too. But because I felt stress around it and I was worried that people wouldn't see that as my intention, I went back in and made sure they knew it. Yes. So fear and judgment, fear and judgment, it's, you know, it comes up over and over. And so when we, and one of my favorite things, so I also love the work of Byron Katie. Are you familiar? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I read Byron Katie. <laughs> yeah, so I love her work. And as Martha Beck coaches, we're trained in her process called the work. And um, I sort of have my own adaptation of it that is a program I call Think Your Way to Success. Mm-hmm. And it's a digital program, you know, videos and, and work in a worksheet where I take you through this process. And, you know, the first question is, is it true? Like, so when you have, or, you know, I'm having my thought this morning, my thoughts this morning were all around sort of, I must be doing something wrong, right? Like the easiest thing in life when, whether it's your business or your health or your finances or a relationship, whatever, isn't going smoothly to start thinking, oh, I must be doing something wrong as if we could always be doing something right and we would never then we would never have any bumps in the road which is a silly thought because that's not realistic but anyway we all tend to interpret it that way so i spun off in this well i must be doing something wrong what is it i got to figure out what is it? you know my brain goes 100 miles an hour and so i must be doing something wrong and the first question is is it true and you could only answer yes or no so this is meant to sort of stop your brain from that habitual that really fast habitual thinking and go now wait a minute i'm doing something wrong okay so maybe whatever your thing is for everybody listening maybe you just had a terrible fight with your spouse maybe you don't have the money to pay the bills next week maybe one of your kids you know is in trouble in some way like yes you know life has hard shit can i swear i did yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) wow i should have asked that before we started okay uh You know, and so that's real, but my thought that is, I must be doing something wrong, is that true? Well, how can I know that's true? How can I say yes? Uh, Yeah, with 100%, like, you know for sure you're... Yes. And so then we move into this, like, so who am I when I believe that's true? When I believe, so I'm facing my bills, or I'm facing my husband, or whatever, and you know, my business that's failing, whatever the, the stressor is, the, the event, the circumstance. And I believe the thought I must be doing something wrong. Well, then that's just this nonstop parade of failure making, right? I'm unworthy. Well, all the things I've ever done wrong in my life will come up like a movie in front of me, you know, like all this negative stuff. I drink too much, shop too much, be cranky with other people, like all kinds of things. Okay. But who would I be without the thought? So this is the freedom, and this is why I say, you know, in my bio that I wrote for you, that I like to liberate people to their own wisdom, because I don't have anything, what, how, what I've done in my life isn't your life, right? But what I've learned to do is to liberate myself and liberate other people, you know, me into my wisdom, you into yours, And so I have nothing to teach you, so to speak, whatever, you know, I mean, you could say I teach people tools to use, but that's it, you know, and because when you get to who would I be without that thought and you unwrap, you leave that story, check the story at the door and go back to the husband you're pissed at or the job you hate or, you know, to pay your bills that you don't have the money for. We're not sugarcoating that we all have circumstances in our lives that suck and are really hard but I'm going to go to that circumstance without the thought I've done something wrong or this always happens to me or there's never enough money or I always pick the wrong men or I, you know, like all those negative thoughts because those are all stressful. And so they're not true. They're not true. Yeah. Cause our thoughts aren't true statements. Yes. Not, not all of our thoughts are true. Most, most of them are not. And I will tell you, because I did it with this last guy that I left, I will say that I left that relationship, even though I had very little money, I had no place to live, I didn't have a job to support myself, you know, n- none of the really great things were in place. Uh, I thought this was my last relationship again, I'm going to die with this guy, you know. 
and I left him stress-free. Wow. Now, there were a lot of difficult things, whatever word you want to use to make this distinction, because it's a little hard language-wise, but I mean, it wasn't easy. You know, my heart was broken for the things I had wished for us that I wasn't going to have, and you know, my money started flying out the window because I wasn't making any, and, you know, like there was hard stuff about it but it, there wasn't stress because I wasn't telling myself all these terrible stories about it. Mm, and so I I've, that. and so that's where like this year, one of the things we talked about before we started recording was for me and going back to this power, giving our power to things to sort of maybe, you know, bring it all full circle is that typically we are conditioned to give our power away to other people and other circumstances. So if I'm like my, my one friend whose husband died unexpectedly, no life insurance, no nothing. And it, within a few months, her and her son are homeless. Okay. So that's pretty grim. Okay. So put yourself in that scenario where it's like the worst circumstance it could be. But if you don't give your power to that, yes, that sucks. I'm a woman with a kid in a homeless shelter. But if I'm not telling myself all these terrible stories and I can find the abundance in it, right? So what I'm really learning this year, and this may sound strange to say it this way, but I think you'll all get it. I'm learning how to feel completely incongruent from my circumstances. <laughs> yes, yes, really, that, that is kind of one of life hacks that I think those of us who have studied the law of attraction, we know how much our thoughts determine our future reality is do not let your future dreams be defined by your current circumstances because universal intelligence and the ability to co-create with God are so much bigger yes. than current circumstance. And, and I wanna just backtrack and give you my flavor on this because I wanna give you an example. So last year, again, we're recording in December and this may not be live till February or March. So last year at this time, so this is like the dead season for me. Um, and last year at this time, like there, you know, it was dead season. There's no money coming in. I've got ten dollars to $15,000 worth of bills going out for my team and everything mm -hmm. that it takes to run the business. And, and I literally was like not sleeping for three weeks. I was convinced that I was going to have to go out and get what I call a normal job. Um, and that, you know, me starting my business three years ago, um, I'm, I'm going to put my family in financial constraints now. And it, it was like all coming to a head. I don't know why, but the story I was telling myself, Brenda, was... Yeah you're a dumbass. You started this business. You thought you could do it. How are you going to pay the bills? What if no contracts come in for next year? They're not coming in right now. And I was in three weeks of just like sick sickness. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then of course, as it happens every year, it just waxes and wanes. All the contracts come in. I end up doing better in 2019 than I did in 2018. So here I am again in the fourth quarter, right? Mm -hmm. I, uh, you know, right now, I mean, I did 28 gigs in August. That was a great month. You know, uh -huh. yeah, I banked some money, but I mean, there's not money coming in the door right now. This is my dead season and I will yeah. still have to pay the bills. But what is different about Kim Strobel this year is that I, I am not, I have taken control of my thoughts. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, you know, Strobel, you go through this every year and let's be honest, you have strong evidence, you know, you know your value, you know that the bookings will come in in January and February and March like they normally do. And, um, and so I'm not, I'm not on that downward spiral. Yeah. I'm more in that like art of allowing. And my husband just said last night, he's like, there's a big difference in how you're handling this this year compared to last year. Like I can't have Kim Strobel having her exaggerated downward spiral meltdown every December. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. And it's the perfect example because, and again, I don't want anybody to confuse that I'm suggesting denial 
of how we feel. Like you have to, you know, feel what you feel and take some time to do that. But there's somewhere there, it, then it shifts into getting kind of sucked into it or being identified as it. And that's what happens when we give our power over to something, then you know, if I'm in a bad financial position, I lost my job, my business is failing, whatever. Suddenly, if that has the power in my life, it becomes who we are, right? Yeah. And once something becomes who we are, it's controlling us. And so the most liberating free thing in the world is to know that you don't have to be controlled or identified by what circumstances are happening in your life. I love that. And I think our listeners, please say that one more time, because this is really a powerful statement. All right. So I'm sure I won't say it the same way, but when you have, when you're owning your own power, your circumstances can be whatever they are. They can be terrible. Okay. And this goes both ways though, I will say terrible, fantastic. It doesn't matter if the only way you can feel good about yourself is for, to have a fantastic circumstance, it's in control. It just is not as hurtful <laughs> as a horrible circumstance, but it's the same difference. So if, you know, my car is being repossessed, my business went under, you know, I'm filing bankruptcy, my kid's a drug addict, like whatever a difficult circumstance is, if that's owning you, it has its power. If there's a part of you that's identifying yourself as, yeah, I'm broke. I'm the mother of this, you know, screwed up kid. I'm a failure in my marriage. I'm a loser professionally, like whatever it is, then that's owning you. And so it, there's no freedom in that. There's no freedom at all in that. You're trapped in that. And so when we can say, okay, yeah, I've got a kid with a drug problem. I lost my job. They repossessed my car. My business went under. And that's not who I am. Those are things that are happening around me, but it's not who I am. I am love. I am abundance. I am creativity. You know, this is a really difficult time. And I'm going to come out of it because that's who I am. Yeah. I'm and I'm going to learn stuff that I'll take with me the rest of my life. That'll make me so much better at everything that I do from here on out. And then you have the power. Then you have the freedom of having that power yourself and not letting those things define you. I love that. I think that is a great way to circle back to all things that we've talked about today because this is really important. This, this is something that I think gives people relief when we start to really understand that we are not defined by our circumstances and that your, your potential is not based on your current abilities, situations, circumstances, experiences. That, yes. And when you can hold that higher vision and that higher dream, um, then that is you stepping into your authentic power and understanding you are way more than any of these circumstances. You are a vibrant, you know, for me, I, I know, I, I question myself. That's one of my questions right now. Like, who am I, right? Mm -hmm. Who am I? Because I'm way more than a happy yes. coach and I'm way more than a mama to an amazing, you know, young man and I'm more than a wife. And, you know, like there are so many layers to who I am yes. that's based on my current circumstances or even the roles that I play. And so I love that. And I love that you have been vulnerable with us to just say, hey, this is the up and down of my life. Um, and each time, you know, we, we kind of reemerge. We, yes. we do the damn work and then we reemerge as a better version of ourselves. Will we still fall off the ladder at times or have bad things? Of course, this is yes. this life. Right. But we have a set of tools. And so tell me, to begin to wrap this up, tell me where people can mm -hmm. find you, Brenda, connect with you. Um, because for anybody who's listening to this episode and this has really resonated with them, where can they find Brenda Florida? Yeah, yeah so I'm, so my website is brendaflorida.com. 
So I'm, I'm lucky enough to have an easy name to both spell and remember. So everything has my name in it. So I'm brendaflorida.com. You can email me at brenda at brendaflorida.com. Um, I have a private Facebook group. My tagline for my business is live lavishly. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I love it too. It's a, it says, and that means everything we've talked about, you know, that's what living lavishly is about. And so I have a private Facebook group that is live lavishly, the art of sustainable transformation. Oh, I'm okay. on Facebook. Uh, yeah, I love that because I'm all about sustainable transformation, right? Like I don't want, even for my clients, like I don't want you just to have a great session and then three weeks later, be no better off, you know, be right back to the same thing. So, uh, that, so the Facebook group is a great place to find me. I have the gift I'd like to give your listeners. Oh, wow. I, I think, yes. yes. The easiest way for them to do this is just to email me and ask for it. And don't worry about how you word your email. You can say, give me the free stuff. Um, but, um, it is this program, think your way to success. Oh, wow. So, like when I do public speaking, I, I often sell that program, but when I do public speaking, I give it to anybody in the audience who would like to have it, the you know, your way to success program. So, so this is kind of my take on Byron Katie's, um, the work, the four questions. In yes. the and so it's just an easy digital program. I'll just send you an email with the link in it. And okay. so anybody who wants that, yeah, I'd that love to share that. Too, I guess. How about that? Well, can we put the link in the show notes? We can put put my email link in the show notes okay, so they can email me and, and ask me for it. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Great. And um, I I think that's I yeah, think I covered it. I'm yeah, super excited to because um to come in your Facebook group and do a little yeah. happiness training. I'm super pumped. So I'll well, I know. So I so we'll have you on, and probably by the time people have heard this, it will have passed. But yeah, so yeah, one of the I things that. that I do in my private Facebook group is on Wednesday nights I do this cocktails and coaching because I love having fun. And I've I've been saying for the last few months that you know I'm going to definitely write a memoir about this last year. Yeah, and I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna call it. On the way to enlightenment, I'll take a martini. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I hear you. So I do this fun, free thing on Wednesday nights, and I always have a co-host. So I would love to have you as a co-host. Yeah, I'd be happy to do that for you. Yeah, so. and so that'll be fun. So, yeah. So I always like to wrap these sessions up by asking you this question, Brenda. Mm -hmm. How are you currently showing up in your life as a joyful woman? Mmm. Ooh, this is a great question. So I love joy. I am so drawn to things that will bring me joy. And I think that besides doing like very intentionally planning things in my life that I know will bring me joy. Okay. So the work that I do, the people that I'm with, like, you know, the, soap I use in the bathroom. Okay. I, I love the tiny things of life, you know, bringing me joy, but I think to the most joyful thing to me right now that, that I'm really doing to bring joy in my life is to liberate myself from the identities that don't serve me anymore. Yeah. Just the peeling back of those layers. Mm -hmm. and yeah. Love that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm a total curious bird. I cannot leave this conversation without okay. saying, what is the soap you're using in the shower? <laughs> I'm like, I've got to know the soap now, Brittany. You cannot just dangle that out there. I know, I know. I should, oh, yes. We're all going like, what's the soap? What is it? So it, it's not just one soap. Like I don't have a, I only use this soap, but I love everything that smells great to me, which is things that are lavender. So I love like the Dr. Bonner lavender soap, but anything that's lavender, um, eucalyptus, but I'm also very crazy. Like this is very silly, but you asked, I love the dove, um, liquid soap. It's very creamy and soft. I have, I have the driest skin in the world. Okay. I'm going to give you a tip then because I use the dove and actually I use the, the liquid, but I also love, I don't know what it is, but it's the, my favorite is the dove pink one, whatever the pink bar is. I love okay. 
I love all Dove soap, but I'm going to give you one tip. And, and this is me just being a crazy podcast host here. And we're just yes. going to it in for our people. Mm -hmm. at the end. So I don't know if you have Sam Club, Sam's Clubs in Pennsylvania. Yes. Okay, so there, I'm not kidding you because I buy expensive lotions, I buy cheap lotions, I buy bath and body lotions, like I love all lotions. Yes. But I'm gonna just tell you, and I'm actually looking it up right now because I sent it to my friend recently. Oh. So at Sam's Club, and you can order these online, and I'm just telling you, it is the best moisturizer ever. Okay. And um, I'm hoping it pulls up on my text message. But what I do, so one of my favorites is, um, I love the Bath and Body Works. It comes out around Christmas, the, the Noel Vanilla. Okay. But I take a scoop of that and then I mix it with this. It, it comes in this really big jar for like $10. And oh my gosh, I'm scrolling my phone. It's like a coconut. I'm going to have to drop it in the show notes. It's some kind of like coconut cream in a jar. I think it's called coconut cream moisturizer. Is it like a body butter kind of thing? Yeah, it kind of is. Um, so I will thick... drop it in the show notes because I know some of you are like, Jesus, Kim, what is it? But I will send it to you. I'll drop it in the show notes. But what I do is I take like a squirt of my smelly lotion and then I take a scoop of that like moisturizing lotion and I rub it together. Oh, that's great. And it totally soaks in my skin. It's like the freaking best moisturizer I've ever yeah. Yeah, because sometimes smelly ones are not the best moisturizing. They're not. But they're I love not. I love the smell. Yeah. So I, yeah, yeah. I'm a lotion, <laughs> I am a lotion freak. It's yeah. Crazy. We can talk about that forever too. So there's our there's our little squirrel moment, squirrel moment. Brenda drops the my favorite soap and then she leaves us hanging in that <laughs> conversation. But hey, we do real talk on this podcast. And that's right. Again, thank you so much, Brenda. Loved having oh, you as a guest. Glad that you, you. shared. Um, both your vulnerability, but also how we can all reach for way more levels of abundance mm -hmm. in our life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It was my pleasure to be here. Whoop, whoop. We did it. Thank you so much for joining me on the She Finds Joy podcast today. I'm super honored to share this space with you, and I hope you learned something new and helpful. As always, this conversation will be continued in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to kimstrobel.com forward slash she finds joy to connect with other joy seekers just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time joining the show, know that I am here every Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can go to that directly if you go to kimstrobel.com forward slash podcast that will put you in apple podcast where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review if you scroll down just a little bit you will be able to leave that five-star review and just leave me a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show it really helps me if you let me know how the show has impacted you and how you are striving for more joy in your life you might be nominated to be the joyful woman of the week also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more women unleash their happiness one daring day at a time. So please take a screenshot on your phone, share it out on social media, tag your friends, tag me at Kim Strobel Joy on Instagram or in our Facebook group, kimstrobel.com forward slash she finds joy. I'm quick to reply and I am super eager to send you some Facebook love. It makes my heart happy to be able to connect and surround myself with other women who are all ready to do this work. So thanks for being here and I'll be back next week. Until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you know that you are enough just as you are. Here's to finding more joy.